is an absolute joy to be here. This room feels as much like a family room as anything in Florida or anywhere else because this feels like home. And I appreciate the fact that over the last, um, well, almost 20 years, everywhere I'm with Brad, I feel like I'm home. When I heard about the Steadfast Love Weekend and Brad started talking about John Weissman and Jared and him, and they had allowed the possibility that I could be the fourth person, I just said yes, and I cleared the schedule, and what's um, 2,500 miles and four days in a car to be with friends and to be part of um, this evening? And um, I want to say a special word of just Jared's heart for steadfast love and the teaching this morning and what John did last night. Um, this is a moment of convergence where God is releasing something in this place that is pulling from DNA that goes all the way back to your beginning. And so this is a, this is a, a going back to, to seminal DNA and it's being released in a fresh way. And I'm expecting a regional um, impact from what happens this weekend and what's being released here. Tonight, um, in a few minutes, Jared and Isabel will join me and we're going to, we're going to just flow in Holy Spirit, in worship, in prayer, in word. And the idea is we all become a symphony. I'm not going to pray for an hour and a half and Jared's not going to sing for an hour and a half. We together are going to tune our ears to listen to Holy Spirit. Scriptures are going to be laid out. The Holy Spirit's going to give you a rhema word, something's going to step up off the page, just come out of there and you're going to, you're going to pray into it because this is the family coming together to worship and pray and every voice is valuable. And so those of you that have wondered if you have a voice and you, I just don't know if prayer is my thing, all you have to do is let Holy Spirit guide you and begin to speak to the Lord about the Word. We, we never run out of things to pray for as long as we've got the Word. And so tonight, this is going to be um, a very practical night of learning how to do that together. The theme for tonight is Behold His Face. Um, we've talked a lot about beholding, and tonight in particular, the scriptures and the songs are going to direct us into the face of Jesus. And so I want to take a few minutes up front and just set a tone for that because actually most people think that worship is the prelude and then the big deal is the sermon. That's what I grew up with. I believe that this teaching is the prelude to the big deal and that's creating an atmosphere where Holy Spirit is present in this room. Revelation is happening. Insight is happening. We will leave tonight with nuggets directly from Holy Spirit that you would never get from a teacher. Because Holy Spirit's going to teach us. You will leave with understanding that you did not have. And so before I say a few things, let me if you'll just look at the whole flow of the evening, I just want you to know where we're on and where we're going. We're going to talk about why it's important that um, we create atmospheres and opportunities like this to come together and to 
just simply submit ourselves to the flow of Holy Spirit and learn what it means to uh, move in agreement with the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to talk about what happens in prayer rooms like this. And again, um, every prayer room has its uniquenesses. And so this is not about a model. We, we are definitely not about a model. We're about uh, just here are a few of the things that tonight we'll talk about the what. And here are a few things that are going to be tools that we can use. And um, I think it will it will give us the necessary um opportunity to be able to really encounter God and to flow because the idea is that we come into this place with the desire to encounter God. The invitation tonight, um, that this is when Jared will come back up and Isabel and we're going to go vertical for about 30 minutes of just worship where we're connecting to the Lord and then we're going to flow in and out of scripture and worship and prayer and it will truly become a symphony where um, we participate together. First Corinthians 14, 26 talks about when the body comes together, everybody brings something to the table and the body's edified, not just because of people who have, I mean, somewhere I've got an ordination certificate. I think I've even got a doctoral degree thing that is in the shed somewhere. I got all that stuff, but none of that stuff matters because what really matters is the priesthood of all believers coming together, submitted to Jesus Christ, listening to Holy Spirit, and bringing together what we have to edify and lift up the whole body. At ministry time, when we come toward the end, I felt specifically tonight, if anything that we talk about and any of what happens in the harp and bowl, the flow back and forth, and when I say harp and bowl, I'm not talking about the model from Kansas City. I'm talking about Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, which is just our basic template for we're going to worship and pray. So we're not trying to teach a model tonight. We're trying to enter into a biblical pattern. And as I told uh, Jared, I just, want to, I just want to be a direct link into the throne room. And if we can do that, they're doing harp and bowl. We do harp and bowl. And there will be a sense in which um, heaven does truly touch earth tonight. If something stirs your heart at the very end tonight, we want to pray prayers of impartation for the anointing to come together in worship and prayer and creating cultures like this. We believe that God wants to spread this throughout the whole community and the whole region. I believe there is something to having hands laid on us and something communicated that has been given so that actually you are able to begin to flow in an anointing that has um, been given from the Lord to a person and then it's given to you. And it's very biblical and so there will be an impartation piece. We're also going tonight in an atmosphere like this where Holy Spirit is so present, healing just occurs. And so you don't have to wait until the end. We're going to we're going to do ministry time at the end. But if you just at the at the point of sensing Holy Spirit in the room, just begin to surrender any physical illness, any sense in which you feel like you need to be free or liberated, to, to let go of something, you need something to let go of you. It's like in this moment, receive healing because the presence of God 
sitting in his presence, encountering his presence, that's where healing occurs. And then the last thing we'll do tonight, um, the Lord gave me a word that I, I really want to share with you about how you move forward. And so that'll be a very short one to the point, but we'll also pray into that. So Lord, I just thank you for these next few moments. Would you let your word come alive? Would you... Would you let your word begin to shape and form our life together as your sons and daughters? We truly want to be kingdom people who never lose sight of our king, always keeping the focus on you, King Jesus. And we just thank you for this opportunity. Hosea 6.6, um, 6, and I think Jared did a phenomenal job framing up what we are doing this weekend in the New Living Translation says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. And so as you see in our notes, um, in fact, my suggestion, I didn't print these out. If you want the notes later to come up and just take a picture of it and then you've got it right on your phone and you can continue to kind of um, meditate on this and... Um, reflect on this the Hebrew word for that kind of meditation is actually an agricultural term which means to chew the cud some of you who have farming backgrounds you know that cows have three stomachs and if they just eat and go lay down they can be thrilled to re-eat things over and over and over again and it's called chewing the cud the Hebrew word for meditation and reflection all through the Old Testament is we ingest scripture and then at times um, when we stop to reflect, we eat it again, we chew it again, we continue to allow the nutrients and the nourishment of what we have heard and read and um, studied. It just continues to enrich us and to provide nutrients. And so tonight I'm hoping that this opens the door into a journey where you're going to continue to be able to um, receive um, nutrients from what we talk about. So the why, I think we always start with the why because if you know um, the end goal, then it makes, it makes it possible for us to continue to keep our eyes on the prize. And uh, there will be moments when if you decide that the Lord's calling you to do a prayer room, there'll be times when they're right by yourself. You'll be there with one other person. You'll wonder if anybody even knows you're there, but heaven always does. And those encounters showing up is extremely important. And the reason we show up, the why, is first and foremost because Jesus is worthy. We don't do this for us. We don't do this to be part of a movement. We're not into fads. We are so aware that the Lamb of God is worthy to receive the reward of his sufferings. And so if Jesus is worthy, the rest of my life, 24-7, 365, in an unceasing fashion, forever and ever, he is worthy of my praise and my worship and yours as well. And so we do what we do because he's worthy. The prayer room, in my understanding, is the single greatest tool that God has given us for spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is the term I use for discipleship because often when we talk about discipleship, everybody just thinks about a class you took when you were a little bit younger and you don't always have really positive memories of discipleship. 
Spiritual formation means that the Holy Spirit comes and begins to shape and form us after the image of Jesus so that we become more and more like Jesus. And I'm very much into that. I'm not into just taking classes, but I want the Holy Spirit to take me and form me in such a way that um, people look at Guy and say, wow, he sometimes looks a lot like Jesus. Sometimes it's really kind of hard to find and it's, it's a, you know, a dim view. But yes, I see Jesus being formed in him. And so um, I believe that that's one of the things that happens in the prayer room. And I've seen nothing in 45 years of ministry that does it better when there is that convergence of Holy Spirit and revelation and worship and prayer. It is a truly remarkable and supernatural phenomenon that occurs. So um, this is my number one spiritual practice. Every week I spend hours in the prayer room because this environment, this culture, is what actually helps my growth. So let's look at a couple of scriptures, and I'm not going to go deep into these because I want to get into worship, but Galatians 4.19 is absolutely a critical um, scripture that I would love for you to take very, very seriously. Galatians 4.19, oh my dear children, and then Paul is writing to people who are struggling with their spiritual formation, they're struggling to stay true to the authentic gospel, and he says, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains, some translations may say travail, in other words, there's a process that's happening that is painful, and it is travailing, and he's going through this process because he wants this process to continue until Jesus Christ is fully formed in their lives. And so, again, a target on the wall. There are times when we travail, we cry out, we enter into a birthing process knowing that the end result, the baby, is going to be remarkable when we're all fully formed after Jesus Christ. The getting there sometimes involves... Um, pain and it involves a process and many of us would like to snap our fingers and be immediate there's a process and we enter into that process in uh, Acts chapter 1 um, flip over to Acts chapter 1 we, we are all familiar with Acts chapter 2 Acts chapter 2 is where we get the famous phrase suddenly and I think uh, most all of us want our Christian life to be known by a whole string of suddenlies but do you realize that before or suddenly there's a whole long period of like silence and quietness? You wonder if God's even there. Is he even aware of what's going on? And when Acts chapter 1 started, there, there were some things that happened in Acts 1 that empowered the suddenly to occur. Now, I'm trusting that you can go back and read all of Acts chapter 1 up through verse 15a. But just go with me to verse 12. Uh, for time's sake. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. This is after Jesus' ascension. And he told them that there is a promise coming from the Father. And they're to wait in Jerusalem. Do not dare leave Jerusalem until you get the promise of the Father because everything based on the kingdom depends on you getting the promise of the Father. And so the, the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile when they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. And then it, it outlines some of the people who were there. Look at verse 14. 
they all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several other women and the brothers of Jesus. And during this time, it says there's about 120 people there. Okay, very, very simple math. Um, before the suddenly of Pentecost occurred, there's 50 days between Passover and Pentecost. Jesus says in um, the first chapter of Acts that he stayed there for 40 days and taught them about the kingdom of God. He ascends. If you do simple math, 50 minus 40 is what? 10 days. So they watched Jesus leave. He said, you're going to get the promise of the Father. Don't you dare leave Jerusalem till you get it. They run to the prayer room and they're expecting this suddenly to happen, you know, couple hours, maybe we'll get some real good worship, it'll happen in 30 minutes. Can you imagine the people who left after nine days? I mean, they're remaining constant in prayer, they are devoted to seeking the, the promise of the Father, they are, they are faithful and persistent in prayer for 10 days, and then the suddenly comes, and everything changes because Pentecost happens. Often, we are demanding the suddenly and we're not willing to tarry in the prayer room. And so, we often don't know when the suddenly is coming. That's what makes it so hard to just trust the Lord. We so want to control the process. We, we so want it to happen the way we want it to happen and when we want it to happen that to take our clenched fist of our way of doing things and open that to God and let him be sovereign and say, okay, I want the suddenly so bad, send it when you're ready to send it. Uh, Isaiah chapter 56. I chose the Old Testament passage instead of Jesus repeats this in um, the Synoptic Gospels, but I want you to go with me to Isaiah 56 and let's start at verse 6, realizing we are the foreigners. I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord and serve him and love his name and who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest and who hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and I will fill them with what? Joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and this would actually be our offerings that we give to the Lord as we minister unto him, offerings of sacrifice of worship, praise, surrender. So he says, and this all happens because my house, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. For the sovereign Lord who brings back the outcast of Israel says, I will bring others too besides my people Israel. The idea that the church is a house of prayer is God's idea. It is characterized by joy, and one of the things that you, I will absolutely assure you of, if you commit yourself to a persistent lifestyle, immersing yourself in the culture of the prayer room, you will experience joy as you have never experienced before because it's in His presence that there's fullness of joy. And that presence where joy comes, that also provides for us our strength. So... Um, the house of prayer is a biblical understanding of the way in which we come together calling all the nations, all the peoples into a place of joy in the presence of God 
because there is no joy like His presence. Go with me to Revelation for a second. And again, I, I really hope that you'll go back and just kind of meditate on these, chew the cud on these, let uh, all the nutrients um, get into your spiritual system. But I want to remind you of something that you know you've been told this, but we often don't think about ourselves as priests before the Lord. So I want you just to imagine right now that you are a priest before the Lord. That means you stand before the Lord and you minister unto the Lord. And as we minister unto the Lord, something that we haven't been told a lot about, we haven't actually studied that a lot. When you stand before the Lord, you are there to minister to Him, to acknowledge Him, to bring sacrifices of praise, sacrifices of worship. One of the best offerings I ever bring Him is surrender. I bring my full self to Him. I offer myself to Him. And as we minister unto the Lord as priests, we begin to enter into our calling as the royal priesthood of all believers. It says in Revelation chapter 1, um, verse 6, He has made us a kingdom of priests for God His Father, all glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. And then go over to chapter 5, and uh, let's look at verses 8 through 10. This is the passage where uh, John is lamenting the fact that no one is worthy to open the scroll. And then he is suddenly filled with joy because there is one who's worthy, and it's the Lamb of God. And in verse 8, when he took the scroll, this would be the Lamb of God, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. And here's where we, we understand that one of the things that God helps us with, the level of worship is enhanced by the harp and by the bowl. The harp speaks of what um, Jared and Isabel will be doing in a few moments. And the bowl is the offering of prayers, the incense that arises from God's people. And those, as the incense arises, it clears out the heavenlies and the Lord begins to store the prayers of His blessed ones, His holy ones, in bowls. And all of a sudden, when the bowls are full, He releases those prayers and reality changes. And so our opportunity is to worship Him, to offer prayer to Him, to let the incense arise, to shift the spiritual atmosphere above our regions. And then when the bowls are full, and suddenly the the bowls are poured out, the prayers are released, transformation occurs. And so um, each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. So tonight, I want you to push yourself a little bit. We know that we're beloved sons. We know we're beloved daughters. We know we have identity. We know we have a heavenly father and Abba who delights in us. We know that we don't have to suffer from the fear of humanity, that the only thing we need to do is to fear the Lord or desire to please Him ultimately. 
I also want you tonight to begin to embrace the truth of Scripture that you're a priest. Now that is a privilege because it means that you get to come and represent your needs and the needs of the people before the Lord. We get to minister unto the Lord. And um, let's look at one more scripture. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. I am so glad this scripture is not only in here, but this scripture is actually true, like all the rest of them. This one's really, really true. I have proven this one for the last two years. I and House of Prayer has been going for two years. Um, I spent years of my life studying theological education. I have way more degrees than I should ever have decided to accumulate. Nancy made me quit school when she said that I was killing our family by degrees. And what I have learned is the greatest insight from Scripture doesn't come from study. It comes from beholding. If you want to take your understanding of God to a whole new level, again, I'm not against study. I'm all for that. But the single most important thing that we do is posture our hearts in the presence of the Lord, minister unto Him, and allow Holy Spirit to bring revelation, understanding, and suddenly we begin to have an understanding of God and of His ways that we would never achieve by human effort and energy of study. And so let's start at verse 16. Paul is saying uh, to the Ephesians, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Well, what is he praying? I'm asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. Some translations say, I'm praying that your eyes will be enlightened. So let's stop for a moment. We're in the presence of God. We are receiving a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God. He's letting our eyes light up to see truths that we could never apprehend on our own. But he's suddenly bringing light to things. We suddenly get clarity. And so um, we, we have enlightened eyes to understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are rich, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So in his presence, hearts postured before him, humble in our, our desire to receive, not a clenched fist, but an open hand, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him, enlightened eyes. Then there is a release of power that means what happens in the secret place always goes out into the marketplace. And so the power that happens here suddenly begins to release and it is impossible to encounter God in the prayer room and not be missional. It will, it will not happen. And so um, I believe that often what happens, we believe in the secret place, but I believe when we come into a prayer room setting like tonight, 
We're just going to imagine this is like a family secret place. Um, we, we are away from everything else. We've set ourselves apart. We've come into this moment because we want to encounter God together. And this is the opportunity that we have. Okay. So, um, four things and then I'm going to ask Jared and to come back up in just a couple minutes. Everything that John said last night and what he gave you in the outline, that's gold. Absolutely, um, I just can't say enough about um, the word that he brought last night. The other thing is, if you have not pre-ordered um, the book Focus, the, um, the, the um, Fixing Our Eyes on Jesus that Abigail, um, he, she let her dad write a little bit of it, but Abigail and uh, Brad... The reality is that book could be a manual for the prayer room. Because in the prayer room, what are we doing? We are fixing our gaze. We are looking into his face. We are beholding his face. Um, in November of 2019, uh, my wife had an open vision. And uh, my wife is not given to those kind of supernatural encounters. And so shocked her, shocked me. I was jealous. I wanted to have it and she got it and all that stuff. But we, we've gotten over that. But there was this moment where right before COVID, because this is November the 11th, 2019, we don't know what's on the horizon. Not going to tell you the whole open vision, but the one thing that she took out of that open vision that just got drilled into her spirit is... Jesus has to be the center of everything you do. And so we started dismantling everything we were doing in St. Petersburg that didn't clearly place Jesus at the center. Brad and I began to talk about language like fixing our eyes on Jesus, making sure our gaze is solely and completely on Jesus. We understood that the shaking that was coming was actually going to wind up being a good thing because it would give everybody an opportunity to stop looking at distractions and lay aside the idols and get back to Jesus. And so beholding his face tonight is what we're going to be all about. Behold and become. Behold and become. So this is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to, I love what John said the other night about don't just read a menu, order the food and taste it. So we're going to taste and see tonight. We're going to spend time in worship, which represents the, the harp. We're going to spend time in prayer, which represents us offering fragrant incense to the Lord. The prayers will rise up from this place. He will store them in his bowls because he treasures every moment of prayer that we offer to him. And then um, we are going to introduce the word because, again, our growth is um, often um, directly tied to how much we understand the word, which is the Logos, Jesus. There's another Greek word for word called rhema, which is the word that the Holy Spirit just takes right out of the pages of Scripture and says, here, look at this. So that's rhema. And then graphe is the third word in the Greek language for word that means the written revelation of God that we have in Scripture. And so the word is very important. And it's important because God intends for this book to be our dialogue with Him. We don't just read it. We read it and we talk to Him about it. And then we listen. What is He saying? And then 
We hear him and we talk back. The word becomes a dialogue. As I mentioned before, you will never run out of things to pray as long as you have a Bible. Because it is a dialogical conversation, deepening intimacy with God over words that we know are revelatory. Then um, there could be tonight as we are praying, somebody might have suddenly a vision that, that occurs. And in the midst of prayer, you may, you may um, get um, Jared's attention. We give space. And somebody says, you know, just all of a sudden, I had this happen this morning. Um, we, we were in this room and all of a sudden I was feeling as if there was a sense of people were listening to things they shouldn't listen to. And they were giving, they, they were giving place to ideas that should not be given place. And I saw this, I saw the Iron Dome over Jerusalem. And I'm like, the Iron Dome? So I had to Google it on my phone and I realized that that image directly related to what John said last night in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 6 where he says, we have a spiritual battle that we're fighting and we don't use carnal weapons, we use spiritual weapons. We have like this iron dome of Holy Spirit and when the devil fires his armament, his rockets, the iron dome catches that. But here's something we often don't do. At the end of that passage, it says we actually can have the discernment to take every thought captive to Jesus Christ. And so if there are thoughts that are entering into our mind and we don't have the discernment to know that they're either from our flesh or from darkness, we may be giving place to thoughts in our mind that uh, we should allow the Iron Dome through discernment to identify those. We should take them, seize them, there could be that kind of vision. I didn't ask for that. I had no clue it was going to happen. You may actually see something tonight in the spirit. And if you test it and realize it's, it's for the group and not for you. If it's for you, just keep it to yourself. But if, if you think it's something God's sharing with the whole group, share that and we'll pray into that. Revelation that's going to come from the word of God. Um, we always build deeper community when we pray together. And so this is truly like a family secret place. And the end result of these components coming together through Holy Spirit is that we will know Him. And know Him is not a here knowing Him. It is a knowing Him in a sense of intimacy, a sense of experience, a sense of heart to heart and spirit to spirit. So let's, let's go. Let's have fun with this. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, it starts off with Jesus saying to John, come up here. I've, I've got something I want to show you. And Lord, tonight we just hear you saying, come up here. Beyond the mundane, we know that we're in this room. We love the people around us. We're so thankful to be in this room. But what we really would love tonight is for you to sing come up here. I've got an encounter for you. I want to show you something. In our heart tonight, we are absolutely committed to welcoming you and hosting you in this room. We are praising you. We're honoring you. We believe you're going to build your throne right in the middle of this place. You're going to come into this room. You dwell. You build your throne amidst the praises of your people, the worship of your people. And so right now, here we are, Lord. 
Just begin to hold your hands out and say, Lord, here I am before you. I'm a priest before you tonight. I want to minister to you. This is not about me tonight, Lord. It's about you. I want to minister to you. I offer sacrifices of praise, sacrifices of worship. I offer sacrifices of surrender. I give my very thoughts to you. I give my very dreams to you, Lord. Everything tonight, I just, here I stand before you. Here I am. And I'm here to minister to you. Everything about you is lovely. Everything about you is beautiful. Tonight, I want my eyes to be turned away from every distraction. Every idol in my life is being set aside and destroyed because the single most important thing is to behold your face. We want to behold you. You are beautiful. Just begin to speak praise, verbal praise, Lord. Just tell Him how beautifully is. Tell Him how wonderfully is. Just let Him know that you want a fresh encounter tonight, Lord. Just speak to us. Call us up into Your presence. Call us up into Your revelation. We pray tonight, Spirit of wisdom and revelation, and the knowledge of You. Just flood into this room tonight. Take our eyes and enlighten them. Let them. Let them become bright with revelation, bright with understanding. Lord, we crave deeper understanding of you. We want to know you in our heart and in our spirit. And so, Lord, we offer our worship to you. We offer our worship to you.